Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to another edition of Living Redefined. Talking about a greater direction today. We've been in a greater series um, since Father's Day. And so, greater direction. Greater direction. To me, I see direction really well. I'm type A. I'm an 8 on the Enneagram. I'm a D on the disc profile. I'm a Myers-Briggs ESTJ. If you dig in and love all that stuff, I'm not a big fan of it, but I do believe it helps. And so, I can go really, really well. The direction I can see and go and accomplish really well. I'm a doer. And doing is not a problem for me. God has gifted me with experience, great people, and the ability to see one, two, three, A, B, C, and to hit things in order and to be very, very efficient. Now, that only happens because of my belief uh, in Jesus and that I use the Bible as my guide. And I've been doing that for 23 years now. Because of that, I've developed healthy habits which keep me in line, which help me keep my passion, which help me keep my energy I have become very intentional, which helps me lead with purpose. And thankfully, after a ton of disappointments, (laughs) I set realistic expectations, which remind me of my potential and keep me productive. They help me keep me productive. Now, it never fails that when God puts something on my heart to share, he always gives me a proverb to go with it. Proverbs is where you find wisdom. If you've not been in that boat before, uh, you need to jump in. It's pretty good. Wisdom and common sense. That's that's the greatest tool that that God's given us uh, to operate in. And as believers, and so Proverbs is a great place to start. You don't know where that's at. Just open the middle of your Bible and uh, start on what is today. Today will be the 17th, so you can go Proverbs 17 today. Tomorrow you can do 18. When the month ends, you can start over at 1. I've been doing that for about uh, 18 years now. So Proverbs, talking about direction, greater direction for your life. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And so then vision refers to a dream, a revelation, a prophecy, or a direction that you should go. You have it inside of you. This is it. So what scripture is saying and what we understand, what we feel, and what we experience without direction is that we are lost and we wander aimlessly. And so I'm going to go back and revisit Hebrews 12.1 here for just a second. It says, this is probably the cornerstone scripture today. Strip off every unnecessary weight and all sin which so easily and cleverly entangles you and run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before you. Endurance and active persistence. The race that is being referred to here that is set before you is one that you enter when you become a believer. So if you don't believe, put your seatbelt on today. It's going to be a good ride. Now, to run with endurance and persistence like Hebrews 1 tells us, you have to have direction. If you don't know where you're going, you're not going to have and do and give what it takes to get to where you're going because you don't know where you're going. So to run with endurance and persistence, you have to have direction. You also have to have Jesus. Now, you can run with persistence and endurance without knowing where you're going, um, but you're going to find yourself exhausted and far from the finish line, and you'll realize that you're going about it your own way instead of God's will. And so then when it comes to direction, there are really three classes of people if you're taking notes. Three classes of people. Those who don't know where they're going, we would call these people confused, and they just simply are existing. And then the second part would be those who know where they'd like to go or like to be, but they don't attempt to get there. We call these people frustrated. They like talking about it, but they won't take the initiative. And then number three, we would would identify those who are where they're supposed to be, 
we would call these people fulfilled. And these people have a sense of significance. They believe they're accomplishing things in life that bring worth to people and to themselves. Now, as we jump into greater direction, it's necessary to know that 87% of people that roam the face of the earth would say they have no clue why they're here. 31% of those believe in God. So those people would say, I have no clue why God put me here. What am I doing or where am I going? So to be clear, 87% of people that you run into would say, I have no direction. And they might know what they're going to do tonight. They might know what they're going to do tomorrow. And <laughs> they might even know what they're going to do this week. But they have no clue where they're going. They, they don't have a sense of direction. So for the 87% of people, whether they be confused or frustrated, lost or stuck, they are not where they want to be, nor are they headed where they want to go. Now, we know 87% of people lack direction, which means 13% of people have it, right? 13% of people would say, I know exactly why I'm here. I know exactly where I want to be. I know exactly where I'm going, and, and I'm intending to get there. And because of that, they are actively persistent and energetic, which likely makes you sick to see <laughs> because you don't have that. And so I was like, are you really that fired up to go in at 7 in the morning and care for people at the hospital? Yeah, I believe that's why God put me here. And you see this in people with in higher caliber positions, but it's true for the person who, I mean, I once had a guy in, our, in a congregation who loved to push carts at Sam's Club. He was offered promotion after promotion after promotion, and the ministry that he got to do in the parking lot pushing carts was greater than that he could believe he would be able to do behind a desk or, or disconnected from people. And so then, not to differentiate or, or to bring the doctor down to the shop cart pusher's level or the shop, carter, shop cart pusher to the doctor's level, but that's essentially it. If they feel like they're in their sweet spot and they're, they're, you, feel they're, you feel the energy around it, and, and that could bother you a little bit. So these 13% go to bed anxious for tomorrow. They wake up ready to go the next day. And the reality is, is you could be part of the 13% who wake up every day with anticipation. Wouldn't it be nice to wake up with anticipation, right? So coming to the topic of greater direction, the thought is how can I help you get to where you want to go if you're not headed there? If you're not headed there. And the question for you to answer today is, do you like where you are? Do you like where you are right now? What do you mean? Like I'm on, you know, Highway 75 headed north. No, no, no. Do you like the position you're in? Do you like the location you're in? Do you like the circumstance you're in? Do you like the job that you're in? Do you like the attitude that you're in? Do you like the extracurricular things that you're in? Do you like the circle of people that you find yourself with? Do you like where you are now? And most people, most people don't like where they find themselves yet they continue to spend their life staying right where they are, doing what keeps them there. Why spend your life that way? Why spend your life where you don't want to be? When you live in that place that you don't like, you suffer. Your will suffers and your energy seems to be non-existent and you don't feel like doing much. You just want to recover so you can muster up the energy to go back to the same place tomorrow. But you're not a low energy person, right? And I just want to say, people who say they are low energy are really just saying they have no passion. Because where energy is, passion exists. We all have passion inside of us to do something, some greater than others, but we all have it. And so, 
when people are saying they're low energy, what they're saying is they've lost their, they've lost their passion to be where they are, to do what they do. They've lost the passion to move forward, to move up, to move out. And because they've lost their passion, they don't have the energy to make a move. And this leads us to our main point. How do we find our passion? How do you find your passion? Passion is your energy. Passion comes from your heart. To have no energy and no heart in where you are or what you do means you've lost your passion. So Paul gives us a great example of the passion we should have as believers in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. And Paul prefaces this by saying, forget everything that I've done, all that I am. I'm nothing without Jesus. I have nothing without Jesus. I am nowhere without Jesus. And then he echoes what we open up with in Hebrews 12. And he says, forget what's behind you and push to what's ahead. And we're going to pick up in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not, here he is, he's being very humble. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I don't, I don't know yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and striving toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me toward heaven. God's called me to heaven, and that's where I'm going. And if I don't help you get there, that's on me. And I would say that, that that's my heart for people. And the reality is what we want to do is transition from what we've done to where we're going, from where we've been to where we are going. And so Paul is convicted about why he is here, and he is passionate to be, do, and go in the name of Jesus above everything. And Scripture says this. Scripture says that God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians, it says that you are his workmanship, that you've been created in Christ for good works, that God prepared beforehand so that you would do them. You would do them. Your passion is in you. You've been prepared to walk in it. It's been planned for you to lead since the foundation of the earth. So then to find your God-given passion, you need to believe that God's will for your life is greater than your way. God's will for your life is greater than your way. And God's will for you starts with grace. It builds you. It's free. And your work, your way, is an action that builds your name. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And so greater direction, greater direction means forgetting what is behind you, stripping off what holds you back, running the race with endurance and persistence, striving and pressing on toward what is ahead of you, and to be hopeful for your future, not regretful of your past. Not regretful of your past. And so this means true repentance. Like we're going to get to the very root of this. It means true repentance because you don't have the power to forget your past, but God does. And, and the reality is we either walk in the light or we don't. And that really comes down to how we handle sin. In 1 John 1, I'm not going to read it to you today, but if you want homework, you want to do something, do some digging this week, read 1 John chapter 1. It tells us how repentance, which is saying, I'm sorry from our heart, is an opportunity to grow in holiness and to come into a deeper relationship with God. It allows us to go further with Him and to get off of the service, to stop having those, those you know, crisis touch points and to engage in a daily relationship with Him. And I think the, the truth that we walk in today is, is we can comfort ourselves, we can justify, we can rationalize, we can comfort ourselves by pretending that our sins don't bother God. But, big but here, 
If repentance is not a continuing ethic in our lives, we won't walk in our true passion. We won't walk in that gifting. And we're lying to ourselves and we're lying to God, which means we're not walking in the light. That's deceiving and that's not how God operates. That's what 1 John 1 says. And so everyone knows that God saves and that He saves by forgiving. So to be saved, our responsibility is to ask. To be forgiven, our responsibility is to receive. It takes truth to ask. We have to own up to our sins. It means we have to get real with ourselves. It's honesty, right? It's honesty. And it takes grace to receive. It takes grace to receive. And so then, which means we get better. Because when I receive Jesus and I'm walking in the light, I get better. And so when you walk in forgiveness, you can run in your passion. When you walk in forgiveness, you can run your passion, but you have to ask. And you have to receive. So you need to get real so you can get better. And all of that, true repentance will get you there. That's from your heart. Father, forgive me, right? The one thing that you need to know about your passion is if you don't follow it, you will have regrets. You're going to regret not following what's in your heart. One, because God put it there, but two, you're always going to play the shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? And there's two ways to look at this. It's either knowing and not being able because of being entrenched in what you're stuck in, sins, what holds you back, or the old doubt, unbelief, self-pity, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but now that I'm 80, I can't, right? And so 2 Timothy 1.9, here's what it says. It says, He is the one who saved you and called you with a holy calling, not based on your works or your past for that matter, but for His purpose and with His grace, which He gave to you before time began. You have to believe that for yourself. Now, I'm passionate about helping people. I believe my purpose and why God put me here is to bring life and add value to people. That is my life vision statement. Okay? Now, I love helping people. Here's what I've realized. It's people, not the process of helping people. It's being one-on-one in small groups and just like this with people. It's not, it's not about performing a function, right? This is why I tell you over and over, life is not about what you do. It's who you're here for. I believe, my family believes God's put us here for you. Now, if I wake up every day to only perform functions and fulfill processes, then I'm only as good as a machine. I'm a robot. But if I bring passion and caring and commitment, which all come from the heart, this makes me human. Something that a machine cannot do. Right? But if you're here today and you don't know what you're passionate about, ask yourself to answer these three questions. These three questions. What do you sing about? I stole these, by the way. What do you sing about? What do you dream about? And what do you cry about? I'm a man. I don't cry. Yeah, you do. Okay. It's there. You just got to let it out. What do you sing about? Which really is what makes you happy? What do you dream about? Where would you like to be if you could have it all? What do you cry about? What hurts you? What hurts you? These questions allow you to find your passion and get in tune with your heartbeat, which allows you to find a rhythm in life. Let's say this again. These questions allow you to find your passion and get in tune with your heartbeat, which allows you to find rhythm in life. Your passion is your greatest energizer, not caffeine. God gave you passion as caffeine. It's the foundation for your success. That doesn't mean you need to cut caffeine today because if that were true, I'd have a massive headache tomorrow. Okay? 
but your level of passion sets the pace and the tone for where you're going and how long it's going to take you to get there. Ever notice when you come into contact with somebody who is full of passion, you see that they love what they do and that they do it well? They love to do it well. Your passion stirs your gifting. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another, not what you do, but who you're here for. Your passion then leads to your production, your passion. Your heart leads to your production. So then to run with endurance the race that is set before you, to transition from where you've been to where you're capable of going, you must take the steps necessary for growth. To do that, to do that, we must let God do the rest, right? It's essentially that I need to take the steps necessary for growth so that God can do the rest. Now listen, production doesn't mean trying to be somebody that you're not or growing where you know not need to be. Don't go where you know you don't need to be and don't try to be somebody you're not. The person who loves Jesus is willing to endure, run with endurance. We think that's like well-conditioned, but that's also enduring the times and the trials and the mountains and the hills and the valleys and the roadblocks and the potholes and all those things, right? The person who loves Jesus deeply endures when they're in the thick of it. Our focus is not the circumstance. Our focus is Jesus. We endure not because we walk in some Western definition of success, but because our heart and mind are His. They're God's. So then we throw off everything that hinders us, and we throw off that sin that so easily entangles us, and we run with endurance the race marked out for us with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let me wrap this thing up. Finding real passion then takes real repentance and real focus. Once you get serious about going in a greater direction, you're going to let go of old routines. You're going to develop some new habits. You're going to begin to change the way you think, which allows you to slowly become like Jesus, which is his goal for you, that you would develop Christ-like character. Character. We all love that word, character. Your growth is collaborative between you and God. His spirit works within you. His spirit works with you not just in you, if that makes sense. And so you're to grow in your relationship, not work for it. Because you can't add anything to what Jesus has already done for you. He did it all. You already have it. For example, you used to train quite a bit. During a workout, you exercise to develop your body, not to get a body. You already have the body. You're working out to develop the body that you have. Farmers work the land, not to get the land, but to develop the land that they have. So then, you can't add anything to what Jesus already did. There's nothing that you have to gain. You already have it. Jesus did it. You just need to develop. You're going. You're going to develop. And so then, God gives you a new life with a fresh purpose. You're responsible to develop, and that takes engagement with God. And let me say, if you're casual about the growth of your relationship with God, it shows that you don't understand the implications of your future and that you lack direction. Those who understand will seek. Ask, seek, and knock. That's biblical. I'm going to share with you, as I wrap this thing up, I want to share with you the day I got passionate. In 1999, I made a decision to recommit my life to God. I did it as a, as a, young, as a young kid, 13-year-old kid. But in 1999, I rededicated my life. 
and I knew that I was called to pastor. That scared the heck out of me. And so I went to school, and I came back, and I started coaching. And I scratched the itch of pastoring with coaching because we were building young men, and, and we were building great athletes and great football, and we were building a great program. And in 2009, 10 years later, that's crazy, 2009, we won our first state championship. And I'll never forget, there's 34 seconds on the clock. clock's winding down. And I just feel sick. I just feel sick. It's 34 seconds or 43 seconds, not that you care, but, but I do. And so now I've been part of 29 state championships, several conference championships, lots of district championships. And, and that day, I'll never forget, I went over to our head coach and I said, hey, I said, this is it. And he said, yep, yep. And I couldn't sit in the place of a player, even though I played. I sat in the place of a coach. And I immediately thought of all my friends who were giving their whole life to the idea of winning a gold ball and how empty it felt. And the, and the final buzzer hadn't even went off yet. And so the next few years from 2009 to 2013, I helped build because I could, because I loved doing. But I began to dig on me and get to know the real me who God called me to be, how he created me, what he called me to, my purpose, my passion, all the things that brought me into existence and why God put me here. In 2013, I transitioned to full-time ministry, took over a a church, and then 2014, on the way to a church conference, God said, Matthew 22, 37 through 39, love God and love people, love me with your heart, and love your neighbors yourself. And he told me that, and so I came back to our church, and I said, hey, we're going to shine all the processes. I just want you to love people. I just want you to love people. And from 2014 to 2016, it took me a minute to get it right, but the reality in that Matthew 22 scripture is, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when I dug and found that the team that I was leading did not love themselves, and they didn't have a good shared time with God, I began to ask them, how is your time with God? What's God saying to you? And through that, that was how I would lead every meeting. Hey, what's God saying to you? And that was it. And in 2016, it was built, and we had life, and we were green across the board, and metrics were great, and life was great, and it was all great. And I thought, man, is, am, I, am I doing everything I can do to extend the kingdom, to build God's kingdom on earth, to send people ahead to heaven, to help people get to heaven? Am I doing everything I can? And as I looked back and reflected on building a team and building the team that built the teams that built the church and sending processes and all that stuff in place. What I realized is I wasn't, that, that it was not about what I did, but, but who I was and who I was here for and looking at the growth in people and seeing those people elevate. I knew that it was time to transition. It was time to go and go, meaning go into all the world and make disciples. I thought I would, I thought I would pass away in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I thought I'd spend the rest of my life at the same church and have our kids in the same school and and I saw all that and there's nothing wrong with that but in the in the call and the cause of the great commission I realized what God had put me here for and as I reflected on those people and saw that we built people that we built human beings we built disciples followers of Jesus it changed everything for me and I saw a whole different light a whole new perspective and the moment that I got into what I was passionate about everything turned for me it wasn't what my parents were uh, threatening me to do or my teachers or coaches were pushing me to do. 
I was where I was meant to be, and it was right in the middle of the will of God for my life. And so then me and Heather started praying about what does it mean to go and actually do this everywhere, not just right here in our little bubble, but what if we, what if we went, let's commit, our, let's, let's open our hands and let's walk willingly, let's be obedient to God. And I believe when we got to that place, the doors open, you know, you can say the stars aligned and there was peace and harmony, even in going to what many people would believe the worst city in America to spend four lives, four years of our life to do ministry. And man, when I was in that place, nothing, nothing could take me away. No, no self-talk. I had people cuss me up and down and tell me how terrible I was and, and how I couldn't provide for my family. And, and they were right. I couldn't. That was God's responsibility because we were being willing and obedient. And if I could shift gears for you, I just, I just believe this. I believe that when we get to a place that where we're not performing as we believe we can perform or operating how we know we're capable of operating, the moment, that moment our energy dips, our passion slips. And in that moment, I think we need to stop and ask ourselves, where am I? Is this where I want to be? Is this where I want to be? And there's a great quote that speaks to passion and gifting. It says, this is, find something you love so much that you'd gladly do it for free. Then learn to do it so well that people are willing to pay you for it. That's what I get to do. That's what I get to do. You find this and you find something that has to do with your gifting. If you find that one thing that you would gladly do for free, you're going to find a gifting. You're going to find something close to your calling, a passion, potential. Stay there. Stay there and go in it. Because Proverbs 20:18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Here's what the last part of that verse says. But those who walk with the Lord know exactly who they are and where they are going. So then, three steps to a greater direction for you this week. One, find your passion. Your passion leads to your production. What would you do for free? Find that. Go there. Number two, regularly repent. Keep from what keeps you. Keep from what keeps you. Seek God earnestly. Give Him your whole heart. And number three, fix your focus. It's where you're going. Your eyes are on the circumstance. Your eyes are on Jesus. Father, thanks so much for the opportunity, Lord, to share, speak today about who you've called us to be, where you've called us to go, and the passion that you've put inside of our hearts. Lord, you put it here before time began. And so I just ask you to help people to take one step forward in that. I love you. And I'm grateful for our time together today. I ask you to help people to take steps with you today. Help me to be a part of that if that is my role. I love you. And I thank you for the plan that you have for the face of this earth, that everybody would know you, see you, and call your name before you come. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, if this message spoke to you, I would ask you to share it. Make sure you subscribe and, and like and all the things. You can give us a review. That would be amazing. For those of you who support what we're doing, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to give you a little dismissal prayer. This is what I believe for you. This is what Paul says. This is what God wants for you. I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you may know what is His hope for you, His calling for you, and His purpose for you, and the great things that He has in store for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. See you. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. 
You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. And so go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreedefined.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.